Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Ronald Jones will get a big hole. Jones gets by. Big Nasty! Yeah, Big Nasty! Hall of Fame Tempe Buccaneer fan, baby! This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother! You ain't listening, and you're missing out! Woo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers get to bust out the brooms for the first time in a little bit. They complete the sweep, and they conquer the Carolina Panthers 46-23. They move their record to 7-3 on the year. Headed into this game, you know, we said division games are always tough, and it seemed like for the first half of this game, the difference was going to be that early Ronald Jones turnover. But boy, did he redeem himself. And of course, the Buccaneers in white and pewter come out victorious in a very critical division game. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. Happy victory. We're recording on Sunday. So happy victory Sunday or victory Monday if you guys are listening to this when we normally drop it on Monday. But how are you doing, Evan? Doing pretty good. Um, the the game kind of surprised me a little bit with the way it went. I didn't think it was those going to be a little bit closer than that, but the Bucks really rallied in the second half. So, yeah, something woke up right around the third quarter. There were just some really big impact plays. You know, this was a tough game uh, for the first half of it. Seventeen to seventeen headed into halftime, and you know there were a lot of things that were influential to how that first half went. We'll talk about those in just a little bit, but definitely a game that said a lot about the Bucks. You know, this was this was going to be a telling game one way or the other, and, and this showed us that, um, uh, you know, they, they still are the team that I think a lot of us thought they were headed into last week. So definitely some promising signs. But really quickly, before we get into this game preview, I'm not sure what the spread was this week, but it doesn't matter. The Buccaneers absolutely just put points up on the board they 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 covered i think it was uh i I think it was six yeah there you go if you guys want to get it on that action each and every single week head over to our friends at betonline.ag from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props betonline gives you more options to wager than any other place online and of course they've always got their online casino which never ever closes on you so make sure you head over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses betonline your online sportsbook expert, and technically, I think, a sponsor of our first ever King of the Wing competition, which, uh, if you're listening, yours truly came out victorious in a one-night-only winner-take-all battle in the classic Chicken Wing Bowl. 
Uh, I was victorious by a stretch of three wings, but, y you know, uh, hats off to Evan, I, I guess. But um, a lot of that trash talk came back on you pretty quickly this week, didn't it? Don't worry. I'll be back. <laughs> don't 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 get uh, don't get too high up there on that pedestal because uh you know I'll, I'll knock you down if you get too high so well you got a whole 364 days to prep once again we'll see how 2021 goes for you but as of this year i was victorious and you know what i'll hang my hat on it because i feel damn good probably gonna finish dead last in our fantasy league again but at least i won the eating contest i guess that's what's important let's get into some of the stop stat lines from this game today so it's really weird because when you put this game together and you look at it top to bottom you start with the offense best offensive game we've seen all season over 500 total yards but the red zone offense was atrocious and it was crazy because you know this is a team that I'd say for the first half of the season, they were damn near perfect in, in you know, first and goal or blank and goal territory. And uh, they just couldn't get the job done today, which, you know, they had quite a few chances to get into the end zone. I think they were in the red zone like eight or nine times today, and they weren't able to finish on half of those. So, you know, it put a delay on finishing this game a little bit quicker. But, I mean, I'm happy with the offense for sure, right? You have to be. I mean, yeah, anytime, anytime you put put up over 500 yards of offense and over 40 points and i mean yeah really they should have put up over i mean they should have put close to 60 up, yeah. um, on that team uh yeah the you know the, the goal to go situations were something that they were really good at um last week was actually i believe the first time that they didn't score a touchdown in a goal to go situation and then they had a bunch of those today which um i think some of it was a little bit of miscommunication some of it was just some bad luck but uh, you know, the the play calling was a little iffy once they got down there. I thought the, the entire offense, the offensive staff, uh, you know, who Byron Leftwich calling the plays, the players executing it. I thought the entire offense was really in sync. And, I mean, you know, outside of that early turnover, which, I mean, you can really only pin on one guy pretty much, that's Ronald Jones. Uh, I thought, yeah, the offense definitely had their best day of the year uh, against the Panthers defense that just was clearly overmatched. Yeah. And really quickly on the Ronald Jones fumble while you bring it up, if you guys have listened to this show, you know that I am a pretty big fan of Ronald Jones. I do not like when they throw him the football, and you saw exactly why. But we do have to kind of give kudos to the defense there. I mean, that was – I don't know how much more perfect that peanut punch could have been to force that ball out. Um, I think it was Shaq Thompson who punched it out. But just a really good heads-up play from them and, of course, resulting in the turnover, which – Calls the Bucks to go down seven early on in the game, but we do know how it finished. Let's take a look at some individual stat lines. Tom Brady, TB12, 28 for 39, 341 yards, three touchdowns, and of course, no interceptions. Great bounce back game for TB12 this week. I mean, we expected it, right? I don't. Um, what is he? Uh, 25 I, and I, one after yeah. 20 plus point blowout losses in his career, I think, after this one. Yeah, yeah, and I think he's thrown like three interceptions in those games. Um, yeah, another. I mean, we all knew, right? I, I didn't think anybody was expecting. You know, there are some people that probably thought that the Panthers might have made this a closer game, but I don't think anybody expected Tom Brady to go out and play bad. I just that's not him. <laughs> he just he doesn't do it. Uh, he doesn't have two horrendous games in a row. It just it's not what he's done his whole career. And uh, yeah, he was excellent today. His pocket awareness is really good. Um, thought, you know, uh, 
Um, you want to talk about uh, everybody says his lack of arm strength. He has too much arm strength because <laughs> he was he overthrowing over, everybody you know, today. He he overthrew Mike Evans one. He overthrew Gronkowski one, and then had a miscommunication with Antonio Brown on one. But um, other than that, I mean, third down, he was excellent. Uh, I, I, yeah, like I said, I thought I thought his pocket awareness was really really good today. He was moving up in the pocket. Carolina um, was sending. It was they were either blitzing or they were rushing three. There was they they. Toward in the second half, they really didn't rush just four uh, a whole lot. They were either really blitzing, coming after them, or rushing three. And Brady handled it you know, very well, both both uh, looks. So uh, great game for him, and hopefully he can you know just keep this going again. So yeah, uh, two two big games coming up. They're going to even play well. So this is a good uh, good bounce back game for him, which I think we all expected anyway. So absolutely, and that pocket awareness on display. There was one in particular. Um, you know, there were a couple of times today where Brady had to kind of extend his time in the pocket, but one I was impressed by was the left side of the line had kind of collapsed on him. He's moving backwards, and he basically, he kind of took a page out of Jameis's book. He hit that foot plant, spun around and out of it. I think he got the pass out. I do not remember if it was complete, to be honest with you, because I was just in awe to see him actually spin out of a tackle. Like, that was incredible to me, but again, just like you said, Really important stretch of games coming up, so TB12 with a performance like today is more than encouraging. This next guy, big number 13, six receptions on 11 targets, 77 yards, and one touchdown. Mike got his touchdown, but it would have been a 100-plus yard day had Brady not overthrown him a little bit in that first half. Yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, to me, this is, if you're just looking at the stats, and we'll get into it, this is how the Bucks' offense should look. Yeah. Uh, I believe Mike Evans had six catches, Chris Godwin six catches, Antonio Brown seven catches. That's how the offense should look. Uh, I don't think you're going to see many receivers on this team this year with 10-plus catches in a game because there's just so many weapons, and Tom Brady spreads the ball out too much. So, um, yeah, Evans probably should have gone over 100 yards, but he had a very good game today, and... Um, I thought, yeah, they were looking his way a lot. There was, you know, there was a lot of looks his way. So I think the the people, the the Evans doesn't get targeted and these frustrated crowd, they're going to be quiet this week because uh, I think he showed today that uh, it's not the case. So. Yeah, and like you had said, the big strength of this offense is, you know, obviously the weapons that everybody points at. But when you can evenly distribute the ball, there is plenty of love to go around, and we saw that on display today as the offense was running on full cylinders. Next guy, big one for Chris Godwin. Six catches for him, 92 yards. Didn't get a touchdown, but it's all right. His longest play of the day was a big 31-yard first down for Tampa Bay. Good game for Chris Godwin. And then to wrap up that receiver trio, Antonio he was Brown. The, he was the, Godwin was the receiving leader, correct? Yes, I believe he was uh, the receiving leader on the team. So good game for him today as well. And then Antonio Brown. Mr. Big Chest himself. Business was booming for the first time in Tampa Bay. Seven receptions, 69 yards. And no, he didn't get a touchdown. It was nice to see him return some punts, by the way. Let me throw that in there. But, I mean, these were just some good effort catches. Like, he, you know, for better or for worse, he wanted those catches. And he was trying to make sure that they happened. He did have the one miscommunication that you talked about. But, you know, a lot of the other catches that he had were just... The one that I think about the most was uh, they were in the red zone, and it was kind of a dump out to the right side. I think they had him run the flat, or he was pretty much running out that way. And it was off the fingertip. He was able to grab it with his hand, pull it in towards his body, secure the catch. It wasn't a first down. I don't even think it got like three yards, but it was just you know, not giving up on the play, and, and he's proven that he's out there and he's hungry for sure. 
I think you're seeing why this dude considered one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. Um, I mean, his, his talent is natural. The dude hasn't played football in over a year, and he's just—he looks good. Um, he looks really good. Those—he made those two out routes uh, to basically ice the game, pretty much um, down there in the stretch. Uh, yeah, I thought he played well, and you know the miscommunication—it's just uh, unfortunately. I know people are going to be tired of hearing this excuse, but with a new player, it's going to have to be time. I, I know that Tom Brady and Antonio Brown played together before, but it was one game, and that was a completely different offense. So. Uh, you know, there was a miscommunication last week that led to an interception. This week, it was just an incompletion. But they'll get there. And I, yeah, I think right now, seven receptions for 69 yards. If you get that in a week in, a week out from Antonio Brown, you're very pleased. Oh, absolutely. That's more than the role that you brought him in to be. I think at this point. And then again, as we had brought up, you know, he's back there returning kicks now, which I'm pretty excited to see. He didn't have a whole lot today. He actually did go that, the that uh, punter was that punter was booming him. So yeah. there was there was no. I, there was no opportunity to really return it. He did draw a penalty, but yeah. um, there was no opportunities to really return it, uh, unfortunately. That's the first time in a while, I think, that I've actually seen that penalty in particular, the fair catch just getting hit. Like, it was almost like the gunner just didn't even see him. It was kind of funny. But, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, not a blockbuster day for him returning the football, but it is a welcome sight if we don't see Jadon Mickens in that role next week, which... We're not going to spend too much time on, but I did want to get your two cents on it. Jadon Mickens, before the game, he didn't play today, and he was a little vocal about it. Do you think he's done, or do you think he's he's all right? No, that was just the the way I read it was um, he he was put so he's put on the COVID list. Yeah, and he himself did not test positive for COVID, and he feels a hundred percent fine, and. He just he has to sit because he was in close contact with somebody who tested positive. Um, probably was likely outside the facility, or else you know, that person would be put on the list as well. So him and Surreal Grayson were put on the list, and I think Mickens was sort of frustrated because he he's sitting there 100 percent healthy, feeling like he can be ready to go and catch yeah. a football right now, and instead he can't even travel with the team. So I think it was just some frustration on his part there. Um, I know some people were like, oh, Antonio Brown taking a spot. Is he mad at that? No, because I, I don't think the Bucks want Antonio Brown to be their full-time returner. They want him to be, you know, in in situations when they need it. You know, um, that play with the penalty—that's a scary play. You know, if that hits his leg the wrong way, he, that could be an injury, and they they don't want that to, for that guy. So, um, I think Mickens will will be fine as soon as he clears the thing. I think it was just some frustrations that, like, hey, like I feel fine, I'm healthy, but the NFL, the way it is right now, yeah. I can't I can't be out there with my guys. That that's the way I read it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely get you. I think it was just a concern of like, you know, oh, this this guy's you know vocally complaining about this. You know, is it is it up to the Bucks to really try and tell him to settle down a little bit? I don't know. I don't want to read too much into it, and it's really not worth it because guys, the Buccaneers are seven and three. They came out victorious. Let's talk about this one last stat line: a guy who caught quite a bit of grief in the opening drive. It's literally the second play from scrimmage, we had a turnover. From a Ronald Jones completed pass, um, is it a welcome sight? Absolutely not. Is it something we're familiar with at this point? Yes, and we've said it here on the show. Huge fan of Ronald Jones. I think he is at this rate and the pace that he's going this season. Has it been as consistent as you like to see? No, but I mean it's okay. It happens. Every running back slows down every now and again. But he is in an upper tier of running backs when it comes to running the football. I just cannot stand when they throw him the football. So. 
The early turnover for Rojo puts the Bucks behind, and, and for a while it was what kept Carolina in this game. And then in the until, second half. Until. Until the second half, we got a Ron Jones sighting, a game breaker as I like to call it. The longest run in Buccaneers history. You heard it on the intro of the show, 98 yards to the house. I mean, that's just one of those plays that, you know, exactly what they needed in that moment. Like, it, it was, you know, a really good play by the uh, Carolina special teams to pin the Bucks inside the five-yard line, and Ronald Jones had seen enough. He 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 called it, made the house call, and, uh, you know, secured the Bucks a little bit better than they were. Yeah, I mean, it just – he's such a liability in the passing game. Like, I don't – I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen – I've seen running backs that aren't great pass catchers. Doug Martin was not a great pass catcher. Uh, Peyton Barber, not a great pass catcher. I don't think I've ever seen a pass catcher where, like, it's like a struggle to catch the ball. And then once he does, he may fumble it. Like, I've never seen anything like it. Um, if the Bucks, like, obviously they could still win the Super Bowl with, with, with this guy, right? Like, that's his pass catching ability is not what's hindering them from winning the Super Bowl this year. But I think if they want to get closer to the Super Bowl, they're going to need, whether obviously if they don't win it this year in the offseason, they're going to have to find a running back that can catch the ball consistently. Uh, Leonard Fournette dropped a pass today, too. Whether yeah. it's in the draft or uh, free agency or Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, they don't really seem to have much faith in him right now. Um, but, I mean, even like Shady McCoy. Shady McCoy catches that ball and doesn't fumble it. Like, I don't know why. Like, I know he's not the greatest option. I understand that. It and, also seems like Shady hasn't played a snap in like three weeks. It's been a while. Um <laughs> So, I mean, maybe he will get some more looks now that, you know, Jones struggled catching the ball and Fournette dropped the pass. So maybe next week you can see Shady get some looks there. Um, but, I mean, just, yeah, he's just such a liability there. And, like I said, they can win a Super Bowl, but I think their chances of winning a Super Bowl would be greatly improved if they had that true pass-catching running back. That And I did look up um, in 2020 free agents. James White is a free agent. Just, just name. putting it out there. Um, Tom Brady's one of Tom Brady's favorites from New England. James White, the pass catching running back, is a free agent. So I'm not reporting anything. I'm just saying maybe um, if they if they don't trust Vaughn in that role, let's say they they like Vaughn as a runner and want Vaughn and Jones as their two runners. Let Fournette walk. Let Fournette and Shady go, and then sign James White. I think that would work. Um, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, uh, Jones definitely redeemed himself. That was a. Uh, that was a exciting play, and I'm sorry, but to me, that's just that's more exciting than the kickoff return. Like, oh man! Well, I, it, okay. it is. That that play is more exciting than the kickoff return. You can't tell me it's not. I will meet you in the middle. I think a coast to coast run from a running back is definitely a little bit more, if not just as exciting, as a kickoff return for a touchdown. But to see big number twenty seven down there rumbling and bumbling like that really gave you some Legarrette Blunt vibes today. So. We have to give some credit where credit is due. Ronald Jones running the football, best performance of his career. 23 carries, 192 yards on the ground, one touchdown for 98 yards, best yeah, run of his sh career. Shout out, shout out to him for not getting chased down by Jeremy Chin. Yeah. That was one of Doug Martin's big bugaboos that like he would break off these long runs and then get chased down. Jones had just enough speed to get uh past Chin. I wasn't sure if he I didn't think he was going to. I yeah. was like, man, Chin, Chin's going to get him. At Started like running with his head up. Yeah, I, I thought Chin was going to get him at like the 20-yard line. And then when he dove and didn't get him, I was like, all right. So shout out to him for putting on the burners there. And that's that's 
that's the the running back that the Bucks drafted. Yeah, and they haven't seen it since. Like they've seen flashes, but that was that is the running back that they drafted in the second round. That is, if you see more of that, he he's going to earn more time. And that's what we've been waiting on, at least what it feels like for so long. Is you know we've talked about, oh man, I can't wait for Rojo to really pop that big one. And like you said, we've seen flashes. We've seen him bust out those twenty five. That, that's what he. That's all he did runs. at USC. That's all he did at USC. He was just such an explosive option. Yeah. But really, really good run for Ronald Jones, and of course, really good day for him on the ground. Let's get into a little bit more of this game, because yes, the Buccaneers did win. We do have some things we need to talk about that aren't going to be comfortable, I guess, but we won. Who the hell cares? At least for right now, but let's talk about it. This first half, it was hard-nosed football, it was back and forth, and it was fun to watch. It really was. It made you anxious, but I think that's what a lot of good football games do. This first half, man... I don't like complaining about the referees a lot, but it seemed like they were definitely influential in the way that that first half had gone. Am, am I right? I mean, the the Kevin Minter roughing the passer, you know, a couple of other ones that were called, it really just, and not to say that it was all against Tampa Bay, there were some favorable calls down the stretch, which, you know, is why I kind of referenced the first half exclusively, but... Yeah, man, they were they were definitely uh, swinging their way left and right in that first half. I just don't understand how you can call a roughing the passer when the quarterback lowers his head first. Right. Like I understood that yes, they made they made helmet to helmet contact, like they did, right? Like you can clearly see that Minter's helmet hits Bridgewater's helmet, sure, but Bridgewater ducks his head. That should not be a roughing the passer penalty if the guy ducks his head. Like, um, I'm sorry, that that's on the quarterback. That should maybe be a penalty on the quarterback. I mean, that's, just, that's not fair to the defender. All a quarterback has to do, basically, because the defender's going to come at him the same way. Yeah. So if I'm a quarterback, I'm ducking my head every time. Just, hey, hit me. Hit me in the head because it's going to be 15 yards and the sack won't count. Uh, yeah, so that was a that was a bogus call. Um, even on the, the, the DJ Moore catch, that wasn't a catch. I remember I texted you, I was like, I don't think it's a catch, but these refs are kind of suspect, so I didn't know really which way they were going to lean there. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, they were – the refs, I think, were, we just got to accept that they're they're always going to be bad. So, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a trend at this point, with especially the way the NFL is going in 2020. But I do want to bring up a little bit more about this defense while we're talking about it. You know, the offense had a great day. Brady was slinging it. Um, connections were made. Ronald Jones, best day in his career. Uh, before we completely move on to the defense, let's give a shout out to uh, Ryan Jensen and AQ Shipley, who yeah. um, we hadn't really talked about that. They did this. They made the switch. Um, Joe Haig was not starting at left guard. Instead, it was Ryan Jensen at left guard. First time he's played guard since his rookie season in 2015. And AQ Shipley went to center where he played every game for uh, the Cardinals, I believe. Sorry, last year or the year before, he played every game there. So I think it was four uh, years Shout straight. out to them. Yeah, so shout out to them. And they they were a big reason why they won. Um, Ali, I saw a stat before the game. It was like Ali Marpet has allowed seven total pressures this season. And on Sunday versus New Orleans, Joe Haig allowed seven pressures. Oh, man. So that's how bad Haig was, and you saw it. I mean, you saw a completely different offense out there with a healthy Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown with another week in, and a better offensive line. And now, I mean, they're most likely going to get Marpet back uh, this week. Uh, he'll probably clear concussion protocol uh, probably on, like, Wednesday or Thursday, and he'll be able to get back 100%. But 
shout out to those two guys played their butts off i thought the entire offensive line really played solid um there were a few blitzes that carolina got home on but overall i thought they they did a pretty decent job yeah and have to give credit where credit is due there was a report that came out two days ago uh from the guys over at bucks life media and it had said that the bucks were maybe looking at making that switch with aq shipley playing center and then ryan jensen bumping over to left guard so i guess shout out to those guys but we saw that experiment on Sunday against Carolina, and it worked to success. So a really good day for that offensive line. Pretty underrated for them as well. But this defense, I am not super angry at this defense, but there are some things that we do have to talk about. That first half, uh, pressure was was extremely scarce. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater started 12 for 12. I think 13 for 13 before he threw his first incompletion, which was on a really good play on third down by Jamal Dean. But... I mean, you can't let anybody get that hot of a start, and it seemed like pressure was just really scarce. You know, the first big sack that we saw was that Kevin Minter sack that never really happened technically because of the flag that took it away. So what did you think of this defensive performance, not only in the first half, but I guess as a whole and how they kind of brought the nose up at the end? Um, yeah, so it's it is it's the tale of two halves. Um, because the first half, you were like, man, like... <laughs> looks like last week already and um i mean they, they had some pressure early on it was a little bit better this week than last week but um yeah it seemed like carolina was really doing it putting it down the field with ease i mean even when the bucks tied it up at 17 they're 27 seconds left or something the bucks allow that deep ball yeah yeah it wasn't caught but they, they were they were incredibly lax and i mean they definitely yeah. got bailed out there because it very well could have given carolina enough time to get I mean, up you're playing, clock it and get yeah. in the end zone yeah i mean there was a penalty on mike edwards anyway for a delay because he laid on top of him for too yeah. long which you know and that that internal clock has got to go off in your head of when to get off him because everybody does it like yeah. you, you hold him down for a few seconds uh you're allowed to do that but um i mean you're rushing three in that situation how do you let that happen i i don't know um but yeah and then i mean the second half and it seemed like it was a pretty simple switch right play man like just just play man tackle and and you're good like they had some issues with tackling early on and then i mean the defense gives up a touchdown when the the kickoff return goes to the five yard line like come on like i'm not gonna get overly angry with that you you can't that's not fair um because technically i mean the defense they kept it to a two-score game because they didn't let the panthers get the two-point conversion so um, I mean, it was a really good half. It was, it, it, it really was. It was they they started to bring more pressure. Uh, they had the, obviously the turnover. Um, I hope Teddy Bridgewater's okay. Yeah. Um, that's that's a big concern for me. I, I know that we're a Bucks podcast, but just want to send out some prayers to him. He wasn't able to return in the game, which I think maybe if it was a closer game, maybe he would have. I don't know, but um, it, it didn't look pretty. Uh, it was a clean play by Jason Pierre-Paul. It's just one of them things that just kind of sucks. Um, so I hope he's all right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the defense, I thought, played well. They played well enough. I think they, they knew what they needed to do. And Jason Pierre-Paul said that. He said that we knew what we needed to do coming out uh, in, in the second half. And they did just that. So hopefully next week versus the Rams, they can put that into 60 minutes. Uh, yeah. The Rams have a much better offense than the Panthers do. 
so hopefully, you know, they can step up and put that into a full 60 minutes in a full game because if they don't, they might be in some trouble. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to be overall pleased with the defensive performance. Yeah. Now, a, a couple more things I wanted to talk about before we kind of look ahead to next week. Uh, going back to Brady's day, man, I just wanted to kind of throw this in there. Maybe should have brought it up earlier when we were going over the offense, but Rob Gronkowski today, that one catch where he's breaking off tacklers left and right and he still had room to rumble and bumble his way into the red zone, that was probably the best Gronk play that I have seen. It's a shame it didn't end up in the end zone, even though he found it a little bit later in the game, but, I mean, dude, Gronk is uh, he's definitely on a roll right now, and, and I, I really liked what we saw out of him this week. That was the most like Gronk you've seen, pretty yeah. much. Um, yeah, that would that looked like 2015, 2014 Gronkowski right there. Um, so that was a throwback. Yeah, so he played well, and uh, yeah, he got his touchdown then later on. So um, I, I just want to I wanted to point something out because I was thinking about the the defense, and I started thinking about the special teams before before we move on to anything else. Uh, Carolina, why you go for a fake punt? In that situation, fourth and seven, yeah. you're nowhere. You're nowhere near your fifty yard line. Like that is just idiotic to me. And you basically gave the Bucks the game at that point. Like, yeah, the Bucks played very well, but you gave them the game at that point. I mean, come on. Well, like, I, that I is think it's. I think idiotic. at that point in the game, it's a measure of just how desperate they were to really get back into it because that was, you know, that was a make or break drive for them, anyways. So it, yeah, it, I think that they were down. I believe that might have been when they were down nine or so, or maybe. Might have been twelve. I'm not I sure. I, I, for, I forget. Over. I forget if that was after or before the kickoff return. I forget. Um, but I will say credit to Justin Watson because Justin Watson was credited with a sack. So first career sack of Justin Watson's career. Really? And uh, probably the only sack he'll have. Yeah, it was credited <laughs> as a sack on on the punter because the punter was getting ready to throw it, and then he stepped up in the pocket, and it was pat, behind the line of scrimmage. So it's a sack. Um, yeah, sack for Justin Watson. So. Hey, there it is, man. So I wanted to look ahead a little bit before we kind of wrap this thing up. It's funny that we're already wrapping up, but we've said it before. You know, when they play well and they, they win the way that they do, it's almost like there's less to talk about. But I really feel like we've covered most of our bases in the game today. But looking ahead, you know, what is important for this team to establish before they face the Rams on Monday Night Football next week? Because... You know, the one thing that we've talked about, I think, the most this year is just consistency with this team. Um, you know, definitely a tale of two halves today was for the defense, like you had said. But it's almost like one week, the defense carries this team. The next week, the offense keeps us in it. The next week, the defense. And I know that we've heard, you know, well, the offense is still finding chemistry. Sure, great. But on the defense, you kind of expect that consistency to carry over a little bit more. But... What I'm trying to ask is, what do you think is the most important thing that needs to be established headed into next week's game? Uh, I mean, I think on on defense, you, you got to come up with a good game plan. Yeah. Um, if you're talking about just this opponent and not for the rest of the season, um, I mean, yeah, the, the Rams' offense is high powered, um, and we were we were talking yesterday. I said, you know, I'm not sure what to think of this Rams game anymore because I originally had it as a win. Uh, for the Bucks, and I might be leaning towards the loss, and not just not because of the way the Bucks are playing, just because I'm surprised at the way the Rams are playing. Yeah, the Rams are playing better than I thought they were going to, and their offense has looked better than I thought they were going to. So, um, I mean, yeah, Sean McVay, Jared Goff, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Gerald Everett. Uh, I know they have a solid offensive line. Um, 
it's going to be tricky. I think it is. So I think the, the game plan on defense has to be a good one. And, I mean, on offense, you just got to score a little bit more in the red zone and score touchdowns. Uh, get six instead of three. Uh, you were keeping them in the game. This game could have been well over um, in the third quarter even. Didn't even have to take the to the fourth quarter for you to really say, oh, it's over. Yeah. It could have been. I mean, it could. they could have had 40 points at the end of the third quarter if you, you convert on most of your red zone. I understand that every time you go in a goal-to-go situation, you're not going to get a touchdown. That's fine. But, I mean, there was a lot of opportunities there where you're like, man, like, I texted you. I was like, they can't keep kicking field goals. Like, you know, Carolina, that's what they do. Carolina stays in the game. That's exactly what Carolina did last week, and they almost came back to beat Kansas City. Kansas City got up a little bit, but Carolina never really let them go, go too far away from them. And, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I was trying to think of what really the turning point in this game was, and I, there was a lot of different things. I'm not sure. I, I think it was just a one-two punch. You know, we talked about the 98-yard touchdown from Ronald Jones. Very next drive, Jason Pierre-Paul, he hauls in a pick to make up for the drop yep. that he had against New Orleans. But those were that just was two. the next. That was the next play. Yeah, back-to-back. Back. I mean, literally as back-to-back back as you can get. But I think that's really what sealed the deal right there. That was just huge for momentum for the rest of the game, and it was a, a perfect situation followed up by yet another perfect situation, and that was the difference, I think, today and in, in what allowed the Bucks to kind of, you know, run away with that lead. Yeah, so that was the nine, the Ronald Jones. Um, so, yeah, the Ronald Jones, one play, 14 seconds, is 98-yard run, and then one play, eight seconds, interception. Yep, and then the Bucks had a nine-play drive ending in a field goal, but that was when, Brady had missed um, Mike Evans wide open on the first play. And I was like, wow, like that would have been nuts. Just touchdown, pick, yeah. touchdown. Uh, and then he missed Gronkowski deep on the, on the play. But shout out to Cameron Brait, who played well today. Uh, yes, we haven't did. talked about him at all. He scored. He opened up the scoring. Uh, had the 19-yard conversion on third 19. That really changed things, too. So um, shout out to, to, to Cameron Brait, making America Brait again. And... Um, yeah, he, he really he, he played well when when they needed to. And like I said, this to me is what the offense should look like. Yeah. You know, Kronkowski with a touchdown, Brait with a touchdown, Evans with a couple receptions and a touchdown, Godwin with a few receptions, Antonio Brown with a few receptions. You know, like Scotty Miller, yeah, he had one catch for like six yards. He's the fourth wide receiver. Like that that's what your fourth wide receiver is honestly most likely gonna look like when you have two talented tight ends and three really good wide receivers. Yeah. Um, so that's what the offense should look like, I think. And that's that's an ideal offense. You're going over a hundred yards rushing, and then you know, you're playing near perfect football. Without that turnover in the beginning, I think this thing is well over early and um, you know, they can't shoot themselves in the foot against a good team. Like, you know, the Rams, the Chiefs, uh, you know, those teams you can't though they're gonna have to play clean football. Um, no turnovers in either of those games. If you do, you're setting yourself up for failure. Uh, I mean, you know, I know that you got two turnovers against the Saints, but you, you also you had three yourself. And when you got the the second turnover, it was already like twenty eight nothing by that point, so it didn't really matter. Um, but yeah, just don't beat yourselves. And you know, they did it early on, and they went down seven nothing. You saw it, right? Yeah. The game was closer because of it. Beating themselves, the red zone miscues, beating themselves. Um, they that special kick, teams, the huge return that almost, I mean, a, a great effort play from Sean Murphy bunting while we mention it, but that huge return, which very well could have, you know, changed the landscape of the game if it was a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 
it's it's nuts. I mean, and I know that somebody said that the special teams coach, the special teams coordinator Keith Armstrong, should be fired. I didn't have a problem with the coverage at all. It's just they just they missed the tackle. They didn't execute. Um, like we talked about last week, it's it's a combination of both. The players have to execute, and the coaches have to put in a good game plan. And I thought that you know the coverage was fine. It's just Pat O'Connor had a wide open shot at him, and he just he had him, and he just let him go. Um, so I mean that can't happen. Uh, special teams that the kick coverage has not been great. I know it was really windy, so it was kind of tough to consistently boot it out of the end zone. Um, they even had to had a have a holder for a few times, but I mean definitely something that's got to improve i mean these next two weeks are big games and i know that we're you know we're supposed to be reviewing this game but the truth is that you know they are big games and i'm glad that the bucks weren't i mean well with the way the new orleans game went they really had no business looking past this carolina team because they knew that they needed to win um because i mean even you were telling me yesterday like if they lose like man like yeah that is not that is not a path you want to go down um, because I mean, if they lose and you know lose the Rams and Chiefs, you're looking at six and six, yeah. right? Then all of a sudden, your six and two records, nothing. <laughs> you know, you're you're average. So they they're staying on track right now. Now two big games coming up. So hopefully they can take them, string them together again. Absolutely, big stretch of games coming up, like you had just mentioned. I wanted to get your final thoughts, if any, before we go ahead and wrap this thing up. But uh, final thoughts from today's game, maybe your MVP, and um, I guess just one more thing you're looking forward to. Um, MVP. There's a lot of players that played really good. Uh, probably Tom Brady, I guess. Or, That's I mean, Ronald, to me, I just <laughs> I, I look at the hat. Um, so, Ronald Jones played really well, okay? I am not going to discredit that. He played so well. Best game of his career, easily. But man, just Brady to me, he seemed to have control. Uh, he seemed to have yeah control of everything. The pocket awareness, the his accuracy was a bit off on deep balls, which I, I tweeted. I was like, does he have like the the Winston problem now, where like you know Jameis like he get hit a lot of throws, but like that deep ball was the one that he was missing. Um, I I just I really like Tom Brady's game and Ronald Jones, man. I you know, I if I had to pick two MVPs, you know, I, it would be him. It, it's basically 1A and 1B for me. It's it's not number one or two. It's 1A, 1B. Uh, both players were excellent, and um, both were huge reasons why, why the team won. I mean, if Tom Brady plays that way, but Ronald Jones doesn't play that way, I don't know if the Bucks win. If Ronald Jones plays that way, but Tom Brady doesn't, I don't know if the Bucks win. So it was a combined effort from the two of them, really powered the offense, and um, was really, really happy with, with the production for, for both of them. Uh, final thoughts are, like I said, just it was a good win. It's a good response, uh, especially with the flight being delayed and everything. Yeah. We weren't really sure how they were going to come out in this game. Um, well, they kind of came I, out like a team who had gotten into their hotel at yeah. midnight. Yeah. And, and probably, you know, you get into the hotel 1130 midnight. You don't fall asleep until, what, one maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, by the time you check in and everything, get to your room, get settled. You probably don't fall asleep one one thirty. Got to wake up at like 830 for the game. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they looked like a team that maybe was lacking a little bit of energy and sleep, but they picked it up pretty quick. So it's a really good bounce back, really good response from this team. Again, you know, when you just got your butts kicked on national television in your home stadium 
and then you know all the Saints players and stuff were, were celebrating and enjoy the loss of draft picks. And they guys. got they uh, got fined by the way, yeah, which was which yeah. was pretty damn good. I love seeing that 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 story breaking today on my Twitter feed made my heart smile. What well, did you see, uh, our buddy Chris Fisher? Did you see what he tweeted? Uh, no, I did not. He said, uh, I, I believe he said, can't can't eat a W while wearing a mask or something like that. <laughs> um, it was it was a good little good little nugget. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Knew it was coming. Can't eat a W with a mask on. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a good win. It was th- this is what good teams do. Yeah, after horrible games, good teams come and they blow the brakes off the other team. That's what they do. Now it's two big games coming up, and then you got the bye week. So you know, put all your chips into these two games. Really prove that you're here. You're real. You're a real contender. And then you know, the the rest is history. There you go. I know you felt a little bit bad about it, but don't worry. I picked him as my player of the game. Ronald Jones, 23 carries, 192 yards, and a touchdown for 98 yards, as we had discussed before. I mean, what more can you say? You know, someone was giving me crap on Twitter, by the way. I don't have any beef with this person. They listen to the show, and I appreciate their support. But somebody was giving me crap on Twitter for celebrating the Ronald Jones touchdown because it's like, oh, well, you hated him after the fumble. Well, I mean, you know, crazy concept here. Follow me on this. But, you know, maybe sometimes players can redeem themselves. And that's exactly what Ronald Jones did in the best possible way this afternoon. So uh, he is my MVP. But, yeah, man. Um, yeah, well, football is a game of ups and downs. So yeah. um, any play can go any way. So I think it's okay to, to – it's all right to, to be mad at the bad ones and celebrate the good ones. Um, that's what makes sports so good. You know, you could be you know, like in a basketball game. Dude hasn't made a shot all game, but he makes the, the one to go up with 10 seconds left. Yeah. You know, are, are you going to say, oh, boo? No, you're going to be cheering. Like, you know, like you're going to – you know, the, the the goalie who's given up six goals in the game but makes the game winning save, you know, in the shootout. Yeah, you'll you'll be happy. Like it does that's what sports is all about, man. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, Ronald Jones, that was a horrible play. It was fumble. Shouldn't have happened. Don't throw him the football. He's horrible at it. But it was also a fantastic play to break loose and get the longest run in Buccaneers history. Yeah. That's you know, that's in the history books now. That's the record books right there. So uh, kudos to him. Yeah, really good day for Ronald Jones, and that is exactly why he is my MVP. Final thoughts, same thing as Evan said. You know, this is a really good win, exactly how you wanted to bounce back, and it's how good football teams bounce back. A couple of really big games on the schedule in front of Tampa Bay right now, but I really think that after this week they're going to be more than prepared. We just have to see how it all goes and shakes out. But ladies and gentlemen, we will talk to you Thursday on our game preview show. There's going to be a new Bucks break drop in Monday night, so be ready for that. But enjoy this win. Enjoy it. Still hanging tough in the division. We just kind of have to see how these next few games go, but definitely looking forward to it. That's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening on any of our podcast outlets or, of course, watching us with video over on YouTube. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe over there and click that bell icon so you get notified any single time we upload an episode, uh, go live, do a hotline show, or even do some one-off content like we did with our annual King of the Wing competition. You can catch that full replay and all of its uh, ASMR goodness on our channel as well. So make sure you scope that out. Um, follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. 
Speaking of Bucks news, as it happens, you can find my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. And then you can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Last but not least, you can find myself on social media, Instagram and Twitter. Both of those are Redicus, R-A-G-T-T-A-K-U-S. And if you follow me, I promise I'll follow you back. I am Rhett Matthews, signing off from my co-host Evan. We'll talk to you guys Thursday. Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.